Welcome, welcome. This is episode seven of Behind the Wheels Music Podcast. My name is DJ Artistic. I am a DJ. I am a lover of music. I am a cultural curator based in Los Angeles, California. And I want to introduce you all to my co-host, EB. EB, what's the word? What's going on, y'all? My name is EB. By now, y'all should know me. I am the soul musicologist. I'm a writer, blogger, and content creator based in Brooklyn, New York, with a deep passion for all things Black black blackity black 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 that's what it is that's what it is and this is behind the wheels podcast basically we're going to be talking to you about everything to do with uh with with black music speaking of blackity black so what we do each episode we take it back we bring it forward we tell you what's going on currently what we have to look forward to and we always end off with what's called a beat match we always me and eb will pick sides and basically see who will come on top in the battle so to start this episode off we're gonna go ahead and just catch up a little bit so um EB, what's what's been going on with you the last couple of uh, weeks since since we had our last episode? As far as you've been playing anything new or anything in the news that's been bothering you or even you know exciting you, let me know. I am always planning uh, an escape from this madness that we call uh, democracy in America, but gladly uh, the dictator will be out as of uh, twelve oh one p.m. tomorrow. He will be packing up the truck. Um, Melania will probably be pushing and little Baron will probably be riding shotgun and they're going to roll down the I, hell. I don't know where they're going, but they, 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 they out of here. Hey, I don't care where they go. As long as they get up out of here. Uh, Nate dog had a song called one more day. That's been my anthem all day. <laughs> one, I've been playing that. I've been playing that one the entire day. more day and that's it. And we don't have to see him anymore unless it's behind bars. Hopefully. That's what I'm hoping for. I hope he can be behind bars. So that means four years ago is when he had his inauguration. And you remember when uh, Chrisette Michelle actually performed at that? I, so, I remember yeah. um, that was the the last time we heard from Chrisette Michelle um, yeah. for a while. Uh, she she needed the money bad. She was down bad. <laughs> Our girl was down, down bad. Down bad. bad. R&B divas had ended and the checks just wasn't <laughs> coming in like they used to. So she right. had to sing, do a little dance for the people. And, you know, we, Black America, the Black Collective, we didn't really appreciate it too much. Um, and and uh, Chrisette went bye-bye. She did. And I feel like, I know we've mentioned it before. I feel like, uh, can we uncancel her? Should we uncancel her? I think if you ask me, if she drops some heat, she'll be uncancelled. <laughs> if she dropped matters. heat, but That's this is the thing. Yeah. Chrisette yeah. wasn't dropping heat before yeah. she got quote unquote canceled. I think yeah, that we just kind of stopped fucking with Chrisette. Like, yeah. and that was just the icing on the cake. It was like, oh, I'm gonna go sing for Trump. I need the money. Okay, well, your Trump check, like Nene got, I take that Trump check <laughs> and uh pay your rent for the next four years, Chrisette. Do what you gotta do. I hope she was able to, because, yeah, we ain't heard nothing since, so we'll, well see what she does. That was we'll, rent we'll money, see. not Wi-Fi money, rent money. So <laughs> we That's true, see. so she, she might be surviving, but we ain't going to see her. Unless we ain't going to see her. She hit up that Starbucks for that free Wi-Fi. We might. She got that good booth mobile or something. That's right. We're going to see. And, and speaking of Trump, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say something that I'm going to give him props for personally, but I see he did actually free Harry O. And for anybody yeah. listening, Harry O is the one who actually – Basically funded Death Row. So without Harry O, you know, being there to do what he did in the 80s based off what Reagan supplied him with, you know, we wouldn't have had the legendary, you know, impact of what Death Row did. So wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what Reagan supplied him with? What are you implying, yeah. sir? I mean, hey, ask the CIA. Ask them. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> hit, hit up hit up at CIA on Twitter. They might oh, respond man. To yeah. Come on. Yeah. No, but yeah. Uh, Harry O, he, he was... I think it was supposed to be like 40 years he was supposed to serve and Trump in his last day had to give him that pardon. You know, he's trying to appeal to the millionaires and the rappers. He's trying to solidify some sort of something in the community. Um, I don't know what else there is to solidify besides a a place in jail, but he's trying to do something. So um, I guess thank you for letting this drug dealer and kidnapper out of prison. You know, it looks really good. He's gonna have a youth football team, and Not he's gonna be doing team. he's gonna be doing speeches telling everybody, "Don't do what I did; it's a better way." That's right. That's but I'm oh. sure he'll he'll. Oh wait, is Suge still in? Suge is in there. That's the thing. Oh, Suge is man. in there, but but he's still like got they trade in places. Okay, it's kind of like double dodge: one jump in and one jump out. 
Yeah, okay. Exactly. Well, yeah. you know, yeah, he'll probably change his life, go around, like you said, touring. He might even write a book. Um, yeah, probably. He'll probably hook up with Snoop. He'll him and Snoop will do something. I'm sure he got the money stash somewhere. Oh, there's definitely some money waiting for him, and if if not from Death Row directly, definitely from Snoop. I feel like so. Yeah, that's that's definitely gonna happen. And uh, one more thing about Trump before we move on from his presidency forever, ever, 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 ever. Um, forever, so this ever? is a forever, ever. I feel like. It's funny listening to all 90s and 2000s songs that shout out Donald Trump because Trump was like, we almost yeah. like, we purposely forget that black folks did love Trump. He was like our favorite rich white guy. Like he was on Fresh was. Prince of Bel Air and all that. And uh, Raekwon and all them was shouting them out. Guess who's the black Trump? And and Nelly, uh, uh, Bill Gates, Donald Trump, let me in now. And it's crazy seeing <laughs> that the most talked about white guy from that era. It's the polar opposite now. Now it's FDT. So yeah, even his run on The Apprentice, he had the respect of yeah. people like uh, Lil John. You know, he had the respect of people like Star Jones, and now yeah. he is public enemy number one. He is, and he he did it to himself. I mean, it was all a facade back then. So I feel no sympathy. So I guess we can say, uh, everybody, put your glasses up right now. I'm toasting right now to hey. the, the end of Trump and new beginnings. We got Biden. We got a black woman in the White House as the VP. We got Kamala Harris representing That's right. Howard. Hey, you. Yeah, I'll, I'll get that to y'all. I'm FAMU, but I'll get it to y'all. <laughs> we do have Vince Adams from FAMU on there on their staff. So shout out right, to right, Vince right. Adams. Salute to Kamala. We got some some good things coming up next. That means we're gonna get. Back to concerts by this time next year, hopefully. Yes. From there, we can go ahead and move on to what we call the Rewind. The Rewind is where we bring up some artists that we haven't heard from in a couple years, potentially, or if they're they're still around. They had their prime, you know, in previous decades, but we still have much respect and uh, adoration for them. So I'm going to go ahead and let you begin with that. So what artists would you like to talk about for this episode? All right, so we're going to talk about somebody who is not as well known as they should be. Um, and I almost feel guilty for putting him in this rewind category because he is still yeah. active. Um, but a lot of his past work should be recognized. This week, my rewind is Mr. Gordon Chambers. Gordon Chambers. Okay. I, yeah. I remember that name. It, it might sound bad by me saying I remember that I remember name. I remember that name. Yeah. No, but hey, hey, listen, yeah. facts are facts. So yeah. Gordon is a singer and a songwriter who has written for everyone who is anyone He's written for Whitney Houston, Gerald LeVert, Patti LaBelle, the OJs, Beyonce, Usher, Ella May, Bryson Tiller, Aretha. Like, I can go on. He's written for everybody. Um, people probably will recognize the songs that he's written, even though they don't know him. So he wrote yeah. Brownstones, If You Love Me. He wrote oh, Faith he Evans. Did. Yeah. He did. He did. Faith Evans, Falling in Love, The Gladys Knight, Shaka Khan, Brandy, and Tamia song from the Set It Off soundtrack, Missing You. Missing you, oh, Angie whoa. Stone, no more rain in this cloud. Anita Baker's "I Apologize," which you know everybody loves. Anita oh, Baker. That was ninety five, yeah. ninety four. That was on a video. Ninety four. That's every, right. Every That's night. right. Yeah. He was everywhere. Yeah. He wrote Carl Thomas's "My Valentine," Brandy's "One Voice," Deborah Cox "September." Like he's written for uh -huh. everyone. In addition to writing for other people, he does have four albums of his own. Uh, in two thousand four, he released "Introducing Gordon Chambers." In 2007, he released Love Stories. 2011, he released an album called Sincere. And in 2016, his last album was called Surrender. Like I say, he's still pretty active on social media. I follow him on Facebook. He will randomly post videos. He was singing uh, Donny Hathaway's um, Take It From Me, We'll All Be oh, so Free. So they will all be free? free? Yeah, he was singing oh, that. Okay. Like okay. playing the piano and just singing, you know, just kind of casually. And it sounded amazing. So he's definitely worth checking out if you haven't listened to any of his albums or even any of the songs that he's written. You know, just go look at his writing credits. The man has put in work over the last oh, wow, 30 years now. It's been that long. Yeah, because those songs you mentioned were all like strong mid-90s hits. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and one thing about that is that I realized that his songs all had different aims. They sounded different. Like if you heard yep. just the songs you mentioned, like you wouldn't think it was the same writer because, I mean, even iPod's Eyes versus the... September versus the uh, Missing You, those are totally different. Yeah, the harmonies are different. Like the production is different. So he he had that diversity. So yeah, and he also if if you've ever if anyone has ever listened to any of his live work or gone to a concert or even bought any of his albums, sometimes he does renditions of the songs that he's written, and mm. they sound nothing like his version of If You Love Me. It's almost like a stripped down version. Sounds nothing like the Brownstone wow. version, but it's still great. So his pen is is definitely solid. 
I gotta check that out because I haven't heard that that version of it. So yeah. I might need that for my arsenal. So yeah, Mr. Oh, Gordon to, Chambers. Salute to him. Salute to Gordon Chambers. Um, from a similar era to an extent, um, my rewind for this week is actually Doyle. Hey, so, so Doyle. Yeah, it's funny point. because yeah, I actually saw you mention him uh, after I, I decided to, to actually um to use him for this week, but I hadn't even told you yet. So it was yeah. like okay, we're on the same page, Doyle. It sounds a little bit, it feels a little bit weird calling him a rewind because he's still, he could still drop today. And I think people would still rock with him because that, yeah. that era of music that he came up in, like he came in that, how do I describe that era? Cause I don't think it's directly Neo soul or would you really categorize him as Neo soul? He was like almost, um, I will say he was almost like post Neo soul. Cause he was still yeah. in the same yeah. vein as those artists, but listening to his music. Now I can hear how a lot of the work he's done has affected or has influenced like the vibe music of today, because his music sure. is definitely just put it on and vibe to it. He was like one of those straight vibe curators when it came to his music. And it, of course he came from Detroit. He's from Detroit. So with that, he had a strong Dilla influence. So a lot of his songs mm. had that same exact tempo and feel yep. as Dilla. He had Dilla production. He had Slum featured on a lot of his songs. So the first song I remember hearing from him was actually um, Find a Way. And Find a Way was just that that cool barbecue two-step music. I remember being at a barbecue back in like 0405 and the aunties and uncles were just like getting off to it. It was that perfect two-step slash yeah. skating Kind of had that KG feel. It was that last leg of that KG kind of upbeat R&B type of uh, vibe that he came in with that. And then I remember hearing Hold On and Hold On was a straight like Detroit Dilla vibe. Mm. And that's what made me say, all right, who is this dude? So I went back and I saw he had a, a self a self-release album called Rise that he dropped probably around 2000. And you can tell he was kind of raw. It wasn't all the way developed yet, but I was still like, OK, I'm, I'm following him. And 05, he dropped Some Kind of. And Some Kind of was kinda. one of my... Yeah. That was probably one of my top 10 favorite R&B albums from that decade, from the yeah. 2000s. Like, some kind of, he came with it. He had a slight music soul child feel to him a little bit. Like, just that kind of vibe. Like, you would never hear him, like, singing, singing super hard. But he also wasn't the one making the super slow, sexual slow jams either. But right. he just had a had a real good good um, good um feel to that album. The flow of it, it reminds you of that Soul Aquarius era where each song kind of flowed into each other. He would have one song that came in. Then he would take that the end of that song and slow it down and make a whole different song from it. And he would have these random tracks like Flapjacks. I remember Flapjacks was funny because <laughs> I heard the word Flapjacks, but we don't call pancakes. Nobody calls it we, that. Yeah, who calls it that? So to make a song called that and then... He had a track, um, he had a, a, a real slow jam that was called Wake the Baby. And the name almost sounds crazy, but it was it was a jazzy, slow, sexual groove. And then he flipped that, uh, he flipped the vibe on the next song called Old Lovers, where it was just a wedding type song. It was a dramatic, like, the way to close that album out was fire to me. So from there, I was pretty hooked. And I think that was definitely his best album. I feel like his next album probably sold a little bit more sketches of a man. He had a little bit more buzz by that point. And I think one of his biggest songs was on there. He had the I'm Cheating. I'm Cheating was definitely a big, a big track. And then from there, he dropped maybe two more albums. I know he had the, it was a weird, awkward title. It was like WWW, but it was an acronym, Once World Women. And it just <laughs> felt weird coming off the tongue. But I remember that, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what does that even mean? But he still had some joints on there. And of course, me being a, a huge DJ Quick fan, he actually had Quick on there like two times as a producer and it yeah. it reminded me that quick should have been like the west coast kg because quick was great at making those upbeat songs he had the truth hurts i'm not really looking he had the um tony 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 let's get down yeah so for him to have quick on there doing some tracks because quick gets love in the midwest for that two-step vibe so he had him rocking then he also one thing that 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 uh he was probably the most known for is probably with kanye with Kanye, he had the um, flashing lights. The flashing lights, yeah. Yeah, and that's probably the biggest. That's him. Yeah, yeah, that's him on there. So wow. I feel like that's actually the biggest, biggest song that he was he was known for. And he um he's actually also singing on power with Kanye, and it's a little bit more discreet on power. He's not right, right. he doesn't have the whole chorus, but he does have some huge, huge features with that. But it's still where the average, average commercial fan might not be as familiar with his work, but. I still want to salute to him. It's been nine years since he dropped the album at this point. So crazy. I've yeah. I've been to three of his shows. And okay. for anybody listening who has never been to a Dwale show, once the world opens back up, if he comes to your city, please go because his yeah. live shows are amazing. Not only are his vocals amazing, his band is amazing, and his background vocalists, they do what they gotta do. I, I like yeah. to think of him as like young uncle music. He, you know, he's he not is, quite yeah. an elder uncle, but 
He do yeah. he make music for the young uncles to do a little two step to or the young aunts to shake a little something too. So shout out to him. Yeah, because I, I actually saw him in LA in 2010. He was somewhere in Hollywood. And yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like it's certain cities that just produce like great live artists. So to me, that's Philly, that's Detroit, and him being Detroit, they come yeah. from that Motown. Um that's just in their DNA. So I feel like it makes sense for him to have that that legit live show. So big salute to Dwele. And with that, big yeah, big salute. And we're going to flip that. And from Rewind, we're going to go into what's called Fast Forward. Fast Forward is where we talk about artists who are on the come up, on the rise, who have not broke through huge commercially yet, but they're on that move. And we think they have a lot of potential to blow up. So EB, who would your pick be for today? All right. So speaking of Zwelle, this guy would kind of be in the same vein. You know, they, they're the young uncles. They, they, you know, they make the groove music. His name is Sam Trump. Wait, wait, Trump, 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 Sam Trump. And no, no, he is not related to that orange motherfucker at 1600 (laughs) Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest. The one who will be evicted. That's right. No, this man is uh, his own man. He's a native of Houston, Texas. Uh, He's based in Chicago right now. That's his that's his scene. If anybody is a music fan in Chicago, he is a mainstay on the Chicago music scene. His name is actually Sam Trump because he plays the trumpet. That was the instrument that he's been playing since he was seven years old. Yeah. And he's actually a multi-instrumentalist. So he plays multiple instruments. Actually, one of his first EPs that he released, um, he was playing the ukulele the whole time. And the EP is called Sam Trump Plays the Uke. Um, His second EP is called Love Notes. And in 2017, he had this full length album. It's called Purple Skies. And you guys, this album is so great. He really reminds you of um, like a Bilal type, Dwele type, Anderson Pop, D'Angelo, Sadiq. He's he's in that in that group of of artists. He's a uh, very soulful. So far, he's worked with people like the OJs, Bilal, Fonte, Ryan Leslie, Kindred. Rhapsody and Rasan Patterson. And, uh, you know, we get a question a lot, like who's making music like, you know, the socially conscious music, who's making the music that Curtis Mayfield or Marvin Gaye or even D'Angelo has? Well, Sam Trump is. His music is definitely promoting love, peace, unity, and uplifting the Black community. Speaking of all things Blackity Black, Black, like that is his whole message is, you know, Black is beautiful. And if anybody's a fan of live instrumentation like I am, you will sure. definitely appreciate his albums. Like I said, that uh, Purple Skies album, it's not, unfortunately, it's not on like Spotify or anything, but it is on his band camp. You can listen to that. He has songs on Spotify that are all great, but that Purple Skies is, that's that album is it, man. He is Purple definitely Skies. the one. Yeah. So if you like live instruments, if you like like a banging horn section, because, you know, he got the brass section on lock. You know, he's playing instruments. He's writing songs. He's singing the songs and doing all of the arrangements. Definitely check out Sam Trump. Again, no relation to Donald, no relation. but Sam no Trump relation. is okay. the truth. Okay. I got to check him out then for sure, because everything you said already appeals to me. Like I, I do love that live instrumentation and yeah. it's nothing better than a good horn section. Like whether it's to the chorus or to bring a song, like a lot of songs that close with that good horn section, the beat cuts out and his horns. Man. If he got something like that, I'm, I'm already sold. I'm already sold then. He got the heat. He got the horns on lock. So who is your fast forward for this week? So my fast forward is called Van Jess. They are a duo. And I feel like, yeah, like one thing that a lot of us have been complaining about amongst everything else we complain about when it comes to R&B is that there's no groups or even duos. And and Van Jess is a duo. I found them a couple years ago, probably around the time they came out and the name alone made me think, okay, they must be from LA because we have a street called Van S. And then mm. I saw that they're from uh, Lagos, Nigeria, and they don't sound like they're from there at all. So the more I researched, I said, I saw that they actually moved to California, close to LA, to Cerritos, back when they were about nine years old. So it makes a lot of sense because they mm. do have a slight, slight West Coast feel, but they have a real kind of futuristic type of R&B vibe to them. So what what caught me with them is that they have, for one, a variety of songs, but uh, they have a lot of songs that have that selection type sound with that kind of like I am nobody and um and Catronata type of feel. So they have those good kind of modern day house yeah like, kind of um, upbeat soul type tracks. And they they only have one album so far. They only have one album right now. It's called Silk Canvas, but it's a very dope album. They actually put out a remix album of it a year later that has like Ari Lennox and all them on it. But that See? album is dope. It's like if you hear the album. 
it's not like it's the same vibe. It's where everything flows perfectly, but it starts off with the kind of typical uh, brand new age trap and B type feel. But from there it picks up and it's like, they got some heat. I just love their vibe and their energy. It reminds me a little bit of like if a genre type group came out today, because it's two of them, mm. the way that they harmonize together, the way that they bounce off of each other. And it's like, they, they're equally yoked. It's not like it's one who's the singer and one who's just the, the chill one. It's like they're equally yoked when it comes to their, their sound and their, their vocals. Right. Even when it comes to their lyrics, they have songs that are very relatable to to the uh, the younger audience. And they, they have a fresh sound, but I feel like even someone who grew up on 90s R&B would still appreciate what they have. They have tracks with Masego, like Touch the Floor. And it's one of those songs that I wish I could play in the club because it's just a, a good upbeat vibe. I mm-hmm. feel like their upbeat music actually appeals more to the non-black crowds than the black crowds. And we've mentioned that about certain artists before, but they have that feel. They have a track like Addicted that's just a slow jam. And it's like, it reminds me of like, if Genuine came out today, he would have to have a track like this because it's a, a mm. real slow groove, but it has those powerful poking drums that, those sharp drums poking out at you. It has that heavy 808, but then it has some instrumentation on top of it. Yeah. Breakdowns are just like, it has those good piano chords. And what I like about them is that they have an evolved the uh, uh modern sound so it's not like to me a lot of times the the modern sound of r&b when it's slow jams has a strong drake and weekend influence where it doesn't have that much church influence it's like when you hear right. it it's kind of atmospheric it doesn't really have chord changes it's like the same loop eight bars the whole song but with them they had that as kind of their background template on certain songs but it evolves it's where they they're changing up the uh for the bridge and they have these chords coming in so I'm definitely a fan of their sound. I'm looking forward to what they have coming up in the future. I haven't seen them live just yet, but from what they what, what I've seen is in videos. I think they, they would have a dope live show. Shout out to them for, you know, I always think the art of the remix is kind of dead, but shout That's out to true. them for releasing an album of remixes, you know, trying to get back to basics a little bit. They gave props for that. It's not new age remixes where they just take the same beat and add who's hot to it. They have... Right like brand new versions of the songs, like the slower songs get kind of sped up. So mm-hmm. like a real remix. Of, yeah. Actual remixes like that, like what we grew up on. So right. I definitely rock with them. So I want you to check out uh, Van Jess. And uh, speaking of all the artists that we've mentioned so far from Dwelle to Gordon Chambers to Sam Trump and Van Jess, we actually have a playlist for y'all. So look within the liner notes of this episode. We actually do have the behind the wheels Spotify playlist for y'all. So make sure that y'all listen to that. And if y'all have any artists that y'all would like us to actually mention for a future podcast, go ahead and email us at behind the wheels pod at gmail.com. So from this point, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to get a little water break and maybe get some champagne because we have the beat match coming up. <laughs> I'm gonna see if I, if I come out victorious. I'm gonna need to pop. Yeah, you're that gonna champagne. have to give me that that champagne. Thank you, thank you so much in advance. Uh, I don't think it goes over Wi-Fi, but uh, <laughs> either 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 way, uh, we're gonna have that beat match coming up. We're also gonna have the drop, and we're gonna talk about what we've mentioned a little bit already: the lack of upbeat party music in modern day R&B. So uh, we'll be back in a second. While we're taking a quick break, please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review the show. This helps other people find the podcast. All right, so we are back. We're back from our break. This is Behind the Wheels Podcast. Once again, you're rocking with DJ Artistic and EB. So this next segment is called The Drop. So this week's uh, drop, we're going to talk about um, something that a lot of us, especially DJs, have been talking about and having an issue with. I would say possibly the last, especially the last couple years, but even the last 10 and 15 years. Um, I think EB would agree just as a music lover and a musicologist. There has been a severe lack of just upbeat party R&B the last 10, 15 years, I feel like. It's kind of hard to pinpoint how it happened, where it happened. You know, um, if I had to give my assessment just before I, I let you speak your piece on it, it feels like ever since New Jack Swing, I love New Jack Swing, but I feel like since then, R&B kind of depended on rap for its upbeat songs. It was like before that, right before New Jack Swing kicked in, you had the candy, you had the Patrice Russian feel so real, you had these types of songs that were upbeat jams. And even during New Jack Swing, you still had a couple songs like the I'm Your Baby Tonight from Whitney Houston. You still got a couple upbeat songs that weren't directly New Jack Swing, but 
New Jack Swings just ran that party era. And then when that evolved into more hip hop soul, it felt like we still had, it slowed down a little bit, but you still had those R&B jams, but they were all dependent on that rap type of drum beat and sound. It kind of got a little bit more musical, a little bit more back to its roots around the KG era, the the next two close, the Lucy Pearl yeah. dance tonight, the Coffee Brown after party. But after that, it felt like anything that's an R&B hit in the club has a rap feel to it. And at this point, a trap feel to it. So uh, before I get into it too much, uh, what do you think about that? Or do you do you even agree with that? Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think it's it's a very interesting subject. Um and it kind of requires looking back a little bit to figure out like how we got here. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned, um, especially during the new Jack swing era, you know, there were party tracks everywhere. You know, you had songs yeah. by guy, you had songs like by SWV, you had the hip hop soul came, you had the Mary J Blige. So you have to kind of go back. R and B at its core is heavily influenced by gospel and the blues. Yeah. And yeah. then as, rock and roll and funk developed, that's when we started getting, you know, the party music or what we think of as party music today, when you had the up-tempo grooves. And then by that time, you know, disco dropped. And once disco dropped, it was like we everybody partying, you know, oh, everybody wow. doing eight balls and dancing off the <laughs> ceiling, you know, that's what, yeah. that's what it was. So we went from the disco sound to the boogie sound of the 80s yeah. when we was grooving. The Jerry Curl Hey. Yeah, that's it. That Jerry Curl funk, that champagne soul. And then we sped it up a little bit and we got the new Jack Swing and then we got hip hop soul. And that's where it gets kind of muddy because, you know, early hip hop. So late 70s hip hop, when it was still developing in a baby genre, R&B played a very, very vital role in the fundamentals of it. You know, the yeah. old soul and R&B records were being sampled and that was the base of the hip hop songs. The breaks you know, and all that. Yeah. Like disco. That, exactly. They were doing that. So now you have hip hop and disco both at the same time developing and people assumed that hip hop would die and disco uh -huh. was the sound of the future. It was like, <laughs> disco is yeah. going to be forever. You know, we never get rid of it. They playing with this, this hip hop shit, this poetry they doing. <laughs> like that, that's what people thought back then. And at a certain point, when disco died and as hip hop started taking over more, it started being incorporated into R&B. So now you had not just hip hop pulling from R&B to make, you know, these songs. You had now R&B pulling back from hip hop during the hip hop soul era and on through the mid 2000s, I would say, I would was, say you know, yeah. everybody had to have a rapper on a track. Every uptempo song we got almost had to have a rapper. If you're talking about remixes, everybody had to throw a rapper on there. And <laughs> that was what we were dancing to. So yeah. now we have these two genres, R&B and hip hop, that used to be separate at one point in time. They've merged into one. And when they merged, that's when we started to see the shift because they were indistinguishable from each other. So there were people who were still doing quality R&B. You know, we were jamming, but they weren't featuring rappers. And if you didn't feature a rapper, and you really wasn't getting nowhere. Then yeah, you had the rappers yeah. who started singing on their songs. You, yeah, you got the yeah. break. And, you know, you're like, okay, well, now the rapper's singing. And then Trap came. And then once that came, it was like, that is the new dance music. R&B is no longer dance music because the people that were making it, they kind of stick to, like, the fundamentals of it. And yeah. they won't have that up-tempo dance groove because commercially the audiences, they just aren't buying it. And... A lot of the core R&B artists who were doing it, they can't compete with you if you got Drake on the track or they, you know, if if you are Justin Timberlake and, you know, you got the song and you got, uh, I don't know who was hot when he was hot, maybe a Lil Wayne on it. If you're Robin Thicke and you got somebody on your yeah. song, Wayne. if you Maxwell and you're still singing about pretty wings, don't nobody want no fucking pretty <laughs> wings. They want to dance. And the problem is yeah. that we merge these two genres, even if you look at the charts now. There was a point where you can go and Google, you know, R&B songs from 1992 or R&B songs from 1977, and you would get all R&B songs. If you Google right now R&B songs from 2015, I guarantee you a good 40 to 50 percent of them are not even R&B songs. They're just hip hop true. songs. It's so true. that's they might, why they might have like, a melody. They might have a melody to it, but it's not really. It is, yeah, they just got a melody on it. It's no R&B. It's a, it's a rapper who is uh, harmonizing in studio with the yeah. help of you know software. Melodyne, melodyne, yeah, that right. So, yeah, it's, it's, that's what you have, and you know that's what's making people dance. 
the R&B singers, they're like, well, I'm not wasting my time. You know, I, I, I can't compete with that. I don't have, you know, access to Nicki Minaj or I don't have access mm-hmm. to Cardi B. I don't have access to any of the hottest rappers right now. I, don't, I, I can't get Meg the Stallion on my like Meg wouldn't even yeah. sound right on, you know, a Jaheem song. So, you know, just, you know, I mean, it's like just just in case I'm a big old freak, it just don't have the same. It don't, might, it don't have that same feel. I'm gonna mash that up tonight just for fun. I'm, I'm gonna try to remix that for fun tonight. See, see, you a master DJ, you can do that just in All case right. I'm a big old freak. Put that up, and if the people go up, then you know we need to get on the phone with Jaheem. We need to get on the phone. Well, Meg, yeah. use the computer. We need to get on the computer. We need to tweet Meg. We need to call Jaheem, or I don't know what he do now. He's different. He send a smoke signal. Um, something I don't know. Come to yeah, so we can get yeah. you know the music because you know you go to a club now and you know better than anybody as a DJ. You go to a club now. Sometimes I just want to dance to an R&B song. I'm not even lying. Like sometimes yeah. I want to have you know a whiskey in one hand. You know I might want to eat a little chicken wing or two, but I might want to do a two step. Huh. I can't really two step to anything that's out now mainstream R&B in the same way that I could. And it's because if it doesn't have a rapper on it, if it doesn't have, you know, all of these elements of hip hop, then people are not really trying to dance to it no more. Yeah, I definitely agree with basically everything you said. And it's, it's tricky looking at it. So I feel like, um, I, I'll just say this, the last 10, 11 years, I'll just say last decade period. So the 2010s, because 2020 doesn't really count for anything in the club. No, so not yet. the 2010s, I would say, there are only a couple R&B songs that were, big in the club and only i'm thinking two to three were actually purely r&b songs and really only one was big big in the club that was lma boot up that was the only thing that i would say was close to a pure r&b song and even that had i mean it's modern so of course the drums are a little bit more hip-hop dj mustard did it but it's like we're ranting them from 1500 nothing doing the pianos and the chords on there that was like the purest r&b song that we had but it was the biggest thing out. And it was it was crazy how before that, I mean, it was 2017. And I mean, the biggest song 2017 was probably between Bag and Bougie or something that was polar opposite of what Boot Up was. So when Boot Up came, just seeing that that was the only R&B song the whole decade that felt like a true R&B song that, that was played. But it got a bigger response than basically any of the big rap songs got because women can sing to it. And it showed mm-hmm. you that there's a huge void because... Women singing to a song is going to give a better reaction than any rap song, period. So when you're cutting the whole chorus out and they're singing along to it, nothing is touching that. So so I would say on the flip of that, the other biggest R&B song that wasn't as pure R&B was probably Beyonce, Drunk in Love. And that was mm-hmm. bigger. I feel like between that and Boot Up, people might say Drunk in Love was bigger because it was Beyonce. But honestly, I think Boot Up had a higher peak because Boot Up, I, I remember doing day parties and pool parties where... It was a pool party I did in DR, and it was five DJs, and it was like pool party in DR just sounds ratchet, right? It just sounds like a twerk <laughs> fest. It sounds like Freaknik 2019, 2018. All in Spanish. All it in sounds Spanish. like that. Yeah, yeah it sounds like all it. that. And it was it was all black people from uh, the UK and America, but either way, the whole party you hearing back that thing up, you hearing Luke, all these songs, but every DJ came and played boot up. And they would, they would reset a whole set. They would go from the most hype twerk song and say, hold up, I'm going to reset and play Boot Up. And I'm like, why don't we have more of these songs if that's like getting the best response? So, and, and it kind of blew my mind. Think about it. Like Beyonce had Love on Top, which sounded nothing like Drunken Love. And to me, Love on Top is one of her best songs ever, but it didn't really get played it, in the club, yeah. club the same way. Because it was yeah. almost too, almost like, it wasn't cheesy to me, but I can see somebody calling it cheesy because it had that super 80s polish to it. And mm-hmm. along with those songs, you had Bruno Mars, who we mentioned last episode. He did have the 24 karat. He had the finesse in these songs. And then, of course, we can debate. Yeah. Could Usher or could Chris Brown have done that same type of song to get in the club? Because Chris Brown, he had big R&B songs. He had the Run It back in 2005. He had the Yo in 2005. Yeah. But his biggest club song, early 2000s, was actually Look At Me Now. He's rapping. He's not even singing on there. This is true. And then late 2010s, you have... No guidance. No guidance is Drake and and uh, Chris, and as we mentioned Drake before, that was a pretty. I'm, I'm gonna say it's not a pure pure R&B song, but it was close because it was all singing. There was no rapping on mm-hmm. there. They're actually singing. So no guidance. Even that. That was probably one of the biggest summer songs of 2019. So that was like 
that kind of showed me, okay, why are they not making more pure R&B or just R&B party music? And going with that, I wonder what sound should be utilized for upbeat R&B? Because uh, we've probably mentioned it before as well. Um, I do love hearing those selection type of K. Trinata songs, those, those Anderson Pack songs, those even the Van Jess type songs, but they don't really work with the black audience that loves trap because it sounds so much different. It's hard to play Yo Gotti and Young Dolph and Moneybag and Young Thug in the same party as a Katronada type song. There are some parties you do hear both, but I feel like that should kind of be the future of of upbeat R&B. It just has to be maybe a little bit more of a, a urban sound to it because those songs do appeal more to those mixed audiences from what I've seen. I'm going to actually put some of the responsibility on the producers as well. Um, like you mentioned, Mustard produced uh, LMA's Boot Up. Yeah. And when we were jamming to, you know, the upbeat R&B songs from New Jack Swing on through the early 2000s, a lot of those producers actually grew up during a time period when there were other party records that were R&B and there were, you know, songs that did not have to rely on the core elements of hip hop. Yeah. Now, a lot of the producers are younger. So what they're hearing is actually what influences them you know, to make the music they make. A lot of it is based in the trap sound. They don't really have a good frame of reference to go back and be like, man, you remember when Luther or whoever dropped that song and and mom and pops was dancing around the crib to it and, you know, the whole block, everybody was jamming. They don't really have that now because all they have is, yo, remember in 99 when Juvenile said... <laughs> You know, yeah. it was taken over for the 9-9 in the 2000. Or yeah. remember in 2005 when Usher had Yeah with Lil Jon. Yeah. It was like, yeah. That, that is, they, all they know really is that a dance record is a rapper or a trap beat or some element of hip hop. They don't really know that you can make the same type to jam to without having those things. Like, Jill Scott has made some upbeat stuff over the years. She, Erica yeah, has made Erica some has, upbeat huh? stuff. But it's like that don't always translate to the club. Like you don't want to yeah. be in the club talking about you living your life like it's golden. You Yeah, it's you a different it. audience. It's a, yeah, they don't yeah. want to be golden in there. They everybody want to be shit faced. So yeah. it's it's not the same. A lot of the a lot of it has to be the producers have to take some of that responsibility and somehow do maybe a little more studying or maybe pull in some of the OGs and be like you know, talk to some of the older producers and be like, well, what was the inspiration for this track, for this dance mm -hmm. track? What was the inspiration for this? Like, how did you get the R&B feel without it being hip hop at the same time? Oh, hip -hop. That's what yeah. they have to know. Yeah, I agree. Because um, uh, for everybody who's familiar with Clubhouse, Clubhouse is like a new age party line where they just it's convos yeah. about everything. Uh, my boy Brian Vickers was in the room last week. And he was mm -hmm. almost irate because he said that there's a, a modern producer. I wasn't familiar with him and I can't remember his name, but he's produced for a lot of the new like R&B singers. So he's probably he's actually the same age. You know, he's a mid 30s type. So he's not too far from us. He in in this clubhouse room with like the Brian Michael Cox types. He said he doesn't enjoy listening to Earth, Wind and Fire and Stevie Wonder because they're too musical. Oh, we have and lost like, the Everybody generation. in there was on his head. And it's like, Wait. it shows you. Because yeah. they're too musical? He said it's too musical for him. He said when he hears it, mm. it's too much, as he says, too much going on. And it's just, he can't, mm. he just can't enjoy it the same way because it's too musical for him. And it's Music like, it's, musical. it's like mm. on, on one side, it's like, I'm just mad that he, he feels his way. It shows how they, I mean, basically I'm mad that he said it, but I'm happy that he actually said it because now I'm, I realize it shows, it shows yeah. that we're hearing R&B because even a lot of the R&B that we do like nowadays, even when it's not a beat, it's just not as musical. And it, it's not even it, from the veteran artists, like that's true. the music they release now doesn't really always compare to the music that they released. 15, 20, or even 30 years ago, especially if you're yeah. talking some upbeat R&B. Number one, because a lot of them now have to rely on a rapper to get the club yeah. hit. Or yeah. if not, then you you cross in um, Deborah Cox territory when it's got to be a dance song. And house, that's house her lane. Dance. Yeah. The house dance and you be at yeah. every pride across <laughs> yeah. every state. That's like her thing. Like nobody... I don't want to say nobody wants to do that, but a lot of singers, is, that's not their lane either. So it's, it's, it's got to be some way for the producers to be held accountable for, but also the singers. Like, I mean, why are you okay? And I get it, but why are you okay with having a song that people don't want to listen to? People don't want to party to? Like, shouldn't the point of the music be to touch people like 
no matter where they are. Like you want to yeah. touch people in the bedroom, just like you touching them in the club. Like you want somebody to be able to rock. Well, <laughs> you want somebody to be able to do like a Sunday drive, you know, when the windows down, sunroof back and just vibe yeah. to your music. Yeah. And also you want somebody to, you know, Friday night, if they in the club, you want them to boot, you want them to be booed up like LMA. I think one of the disconnects that I've realized is that um, a lot of singers and producers don't really go to the club or party. And I understand it because if you think about it, most people <laughs> in the club are rap heads. Like most R&B yeah. fans, they might like the brunch parties, but it's where it's a disconnect between those audiences. It's almost where even though we're all overall hip hop and black music fans, there's a disconnect. So I've seen, I've talked to R&B artists on Twitter and one of them was kind of like, why do I have to make a beat R&B music? Like, like that's just not what, what I'm about. I'm I'm into making, you know, soul touching music. And my thing was, I'm not mad at you. Like you do what you specialize in. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. But, it's, but then it's like, is that how all of them feel? Or why is it that they all feel that way? Because I think that if those type did come to the club and see the, the reaction, and at the same time, it might be the opposite. I might be wrong because it might be, discouraging they might see what's played in the club and say we're so far from that it's no way for us to even get to what they're making a quick example before you move on i did a party that was called um trap cella it was basically a, a play on coachella it was the week before coachella came to la and the whole thing was this oh it's just a trap now we going all future mm. we going young thug we going uh gucci man we going money bag yo all these all traps so people in this generation just are just everything is trap everything it's trap jazz, trap brunts, trap yoga. Everything so of is trap. All hype about it. We're doing the party. We're playing all trap. And it might be a little bit different because it's L.A. L.A. is not a trap city anyway. But by 1 a.m., the crowd just seemed burnt out. It was just like, okay, we bounced enough. We've done this 65 BPM slow bounce long enough. And even the promoter came to me like, I'm tired of this trap. Put on some R&B. We put on R&B. The, en- the energy just lifted so much. And all we played yeah. was 90s, 2000 stuff. I'm playing even the random 3LW songs, and I'm playing Music Just Friends, I'm playing the uh, Mario Just a Friend, I'm playing the SWV and the Mariah remixes with the rapper and without. The energy just went so much higher. It just made me realize I don't like playing trap at clubs. Like, I play it because I have to. I play it because that's just the generation we're in. Like, I like playing twerk music. Twerk music is different from trap to me. Even some of the West Coast stuff has a different feel to me. But trap stuff is slower than R&B. It's slower than slow jams. Technically, it's 65 BPM. It is. You could blend Pony with all these trap songs, and it's the same exact speed, technically. But instead of, like, slow grinding, you're just bouncing to it. So that just made me realize we need that back. And if I can even mentor some young artists, I will. Like, I feel like we need to find that bridge where... Even when it's that sing-song rap, like a lot of LA artists had that sing-song Roddy Rich type high mm-hmm. fashion. If we can take high fashion and blend that into what a Beyonce, Rihanna, or even like a like a Miguel was doing even a couple years ago, and have an upbeat feel where it still has, it might still have a rap element to it, but we just need that back. I feel like. I mean, it's it's like think about the people who are still making R and B. I can see how they could be intimidated if they were in a club and they heard what people like versus the material that they are putting out because no one wants to hear like uh kim featuring the migos like kim going hey girl and then offset coming in nobody uh-huh. wants to hear that but at the same time yeah you know but then at the same time you you know you could have an artist like a her or yeah whoever and you could have them feature like a future on this on the record and it might go somewhere her has a song with YG called Slide, and I don't know about the East Coast, but it does work. It definitely works out out here. I've seen it work out yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it. There are ways that it can be done. Like I said, it it's just everybody has to be held accountable, especially the producers, and then even the listening audience. Because you know, if all y'all want to hear is trap, then that's what y'all gonna get. Like you had to let the artists and the producers know that you're tired of the sound. And I know for DJs yeah. like you who say, you know. I'm actually tired of playing it all of the time. Like, yeah. it's, it's not a, it's not party music to me. I mean, it can be in the right setting. It was yeah. for a long time. Yeah, and but, certain you know, songs, yeah, but overall, not the yeah, entire night. Overall, not the entire night, because then that gets you're doing the same slow bounce. Yeah, all night long, everything sounds the exact same after a while. It does. It does. So, yeah, to all the producers, all the artists listening. This attempt to make some upbeat, if you want me to even listen to it or even throw some pointers, if I can. I mean, I can't play the keys like that, but I know a little bit of some. So just, you know, <laughs> I'll throw you an alley-oop. I'll let you know. I'll approve it or just tell you, all right, go this direction. Like, I'll A&R, whatever it is. I'm just trying to get that back into, into motion. Right. I think this decade, 
I'll say it once the pandemic is over, once we're partying again, we're gonna want some vibes. We're gonna want, we're gonna want some feel good music. So and it is the perfect that. time right now yeah. to be in the studio working on that because, like artistic yeah. just said, once this pandemic is over, clubs yeah. are going to be packed. And if you I mean you in the studio, you release some heat, then you got a hit, and yeah. that's what you probably want after not being able to tour for a year and a half, two years. Hmm. You need it, you need it so. Yeah, exactly what it is. So, yeah, we'll we'll definitely see what happens in the future with that. But I'm looking forward to it. So uh, this final segment right here is um, one of our most notorious segments. It's called the beat match. It's where me and EB take whether it's two artists, it could be two decades, two albums, whatever it is. But we have a competition to see who comes out on top in a battle. So this one, uh, I just feel like being messy a little bit. I feel like, you know, a, a little mess ain't, you know, ain't gonna hurt nobody, you know? So with this, um, one debate I've seen people mention, so the first time I saw it, somebody mentioned and said, you know, um, they wanted to see D'Angelo in a in a verses with, with music, Music Soul Child. And my first immediate instinct was, oh, D'Angelo will win. And then Somebody said, nah, music has a lot more music that he's created. And, you know, then I started thinking about it. I said, hmm, my music, of course, D'Angelo has those power projects. But the more I thought about it, I said, this is actually way more even than people would realize from either side of it. And with that, um, I mean, I'll ask you first, who would you who would you pick in this type of uh, battle? Who would you pick? Uh, I'm going to start like this. This is actually a lot more equally yoked than most people are willing to admit, but I still, I still have D'Angelo. I think that in a true beat match, um, the magnitude of him being D'Angelo and his hits, they, you know, they kind of crush it's close, but they, they still crush music. I mean, I respect it. I mean, on the flip side, I do feel like music just has more. And I feel like music is kind of, Okay, I mean, I'll, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you have your piece before I get into it. Basically, so I'm gonna roll with music. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, music was probably actually he's actually the first R&B album I bought uh, in my life. Like my dad bought me Tevin Campbell. I'm ready, which sounds random, but he bought me that because I like I'm ready back as a kid. And then I was just all hip hop. I was a hip hop kid. All I bought was hip hop. Like I had Aaliyah singles. I had SWV singles. And that was basically it. But when music dropped that, Just Friends, I bought it. So, you know, I'll, I'll let you go ahead. So to everybody who's listening, basically, we each speak our piece and we have a chance for rebuttal. Our producers, Melissa and the lady, will actually be the judges to say who they feel comes out on top of this battle. They actually give us timers and everything. So they're going to time each of our, you know, our arguments and let us know, you know, when we have to stop talking. And, you know, that's what it is. So we're going to see who comes on top in this battle. So... EB, as my guest, go ahead and speak your piece about why D'Angelo would defeat Mr. Music Soul Child in a battle. All right, so let's just address the elephant in the room first. What's that? Commercially, music is a lot more, or he has a lot more uh, bangers than D'Angelo. You know, and in a lot of ways, he kind of served as a placeholder during the period when D'Angelo was uh, on hiatus. Is that a nice way to say it? Um, But for me, it's not about the quantity. It's all about the quality. And I believe that D'Angelo, the quality of his work far, far surpasses anything that music has uh, crafted. Um, Stylistically, D'Angelo is way more diverse and he has his range is out of this world you know you have him working with the classic r&b acts like the angie stones the ushers the mary j blodges gerald Laverts, uh faith evans uh Lettucey, and then the purple genius himself prince but then on the flip side you have him working with you know the hip-hop folks like rizza and the roots uh capone noriega cameron common um the game q-tip like he he has the versatility to do both. He can work with also people like Roy Hargrove and Seal and Bilal Salam. Like he has that in his arsenal where he can write, produce, and arrange for these people. Not to mention he is uh also a most high instrumentalist. So, you know, he's playing the drums or he's on the bass or you know, he's playing the keys. Um, he doesn't have as many radio hits as music. But songs like Lady, 
Brown Sugar, Me and Those Dreaming Eyes of Mine, Untitled, Send It On, Shit Damn Motherfucker, Cruising. <laughs> like those are timeless yeah. hits. Like the quality of his work cannot be touched. And again, he has received love and worked with Prince. Like Prince has co-signed this man personally. Um, we earlier I talked about Sam Trump, Sam Trump, and you know that that is the that is what D'Angelo gives. He gives that live experience. He gives an experience. It's like the feel of the music, um, and he has all these live recordings that are floating around. Un, you know unofficial releases that he has and people are like scrambling to find them uh that Smokey Robinson remake that cruising was arguably better than Smokey Robinson like you know it takes a lot for a remake to be better than the original especially when it's a classic record like cruising but D'Angelo has that you know he's covered the SOS bands tell me if you still care live did both parts you know in the band did the man and the woman and he had it. I mean, D'Angelo is the truth. The quality of his music is unmatched. I can rock that. I can respect that. Um, unlike some B matches, I'm like, I, I totally get everything you're saying. So here's the thing. I feel like I feel like I agree. He's definitely a superior artist and he's more talented. He's um, if I had to pick one, just even even when it comes to just his, of course, as a musician, he, he's better. As far as this a beat match, when it comes to just songs, here's the thing. Uh, D'Angelo definitely has those iconic songs. Music has some that if they're not matching those song for song, they're right behind. I mean, I think the music, because he doesn't have the same type of allure, he doesn't have that same type of aura, he kind of gets slept on in a way. And he's kind of like, why he kind of gets forgotten about in that generation. That first album, I'm telling you, so Just Friends is one of the best mid-tempo slash upbeat tracks ever just the vibe to it the way it comes in with the beatbox it's whenever you play that song it doesn't matter if somebody was five years old or 45 they still love hearing that i would say music has the edge when it comes to upbeat music i'll give them that when it comes to some of those slow jams wagon songs d'angelo has some heat but i feel like love is neck and neck with whatever you throw from d'angelo honestly when you hear love just the way it comes in it's it catches you just the first chord catches you it's where the way it builds up, the, the high note at the end of it, Love is, is one of those tracks. And right next to Love, he had an album cut, 143. 143 was never even a radio hit. And yes, music does have more radio hits, but even his album cuts are strong. That 143, that that track is fire to me. Like, I remember the first time hearing that, just I didn't know where it was going because it comes in kind of mellow. And then as soon as that, that uh, you hear that random, and then the beat drops, it's like, oh, this is, this, this is going to be going, okay. And the way that song develops, music is a very good songwriter where he doesn't rely on just, okay, the beat is dope, the hook is dope, and that's it. The way his songs continue to develop, so even the end of 143, the way it breaks down and he comes back with the beat, I thought the song was over. I'm like, this is this is different. So he has that. When it comes to collaborations, he worked side by side with The Roots as well. So he, even when he remade The Roots' next movement, he had Ellis Gone. He made that into an R&B song about just about smoking some weed, but it was it was still fire. And that's all just from his first album. He had, I mean, even Girl Next Door was one of those singles that was so fire. But the thing is, D'Angelo gave us those two great albums. And he came back with the third. It's a good album. It's not as great as those, but it was solid. Music kept it going. And it's funny that you said that he kind of filled that void because D'Angelo dropped Voodoo early 2000. Music came at the end of the year. And then that whole time between D'Angelo's next album, music kind of held that, that laying down. He dropped, what, four or five albums in that time. Each one is solid, solid. I would say he has at least one certified classic, but the rest are at least, I would say, good four-star albums. He came back with the, with the uh, what's the, the singles he had? He had the Don't Change. Don't Change is one of those classic singles that just makes you feel like, you know, that's what you look forward to when it comes to being married. He had the So Beautiful, the Half Crazy. When he came with the Half Crazy, the Buddy. So I feel like it's neck and neck, so... Uh, my, my time has ran out. I'm going to have to throw it back to you. Let me know uh, what your rebuttal is. I mean, again, I'm a huge music fan. I've seen him live multiple times. His live shows are great. Um, I actually won a talent show singing uh, Who Knows by him oh, uh, at the Apollo one this. year. Yeah, hey, listen. At the Apollo. It was, it was real. It was, it was at the Apollo, yeah. No, nah, it's not on YouTube. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> but no, music, music is great. But again... <laughs> 
with D'Angelo, in addition to the songs that I named earlier, you also have songs with like Be Here with Raphael Sadiq. You also have Nothing Even Matters with Lauren Hill. And I think if you put love up against Nothing Even Matters, I'm sorry, but love is not winning. Great song. Great, 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 great song. <laughs> but it doesn't have that same appeal. Are they going to show up? Though? If they perform it, are either of them going to show up? Well, That's listen, the they, they might not show up, but the memory will live on forever. And you will always know that D'Angelo and Lauren were supposed to be here. He, like you said, you know, music is the hitman. Music is the singer, but D'Angelo is the producer. He is the writer. So, you know, you got to look at songs from like The Roots, Things Fall Apart, or Mama's Gun, or Common's Water for Chocolate, and realize that he was a part of all of those. You know, he was a part of some big songs that came out. So you're not just relying on his solo work, which is enough, in my opinion. Two albums now, well, three albums if we count uh, the yeah. last album. We got three albums against music's three, 37 or 45, however many albums he had. So whatever he was doing, holding D'Angelo down, being the placeholder, you have D'Angelo's three albums against everything that music released. And music did release some heat. I'm not going to lie, but his heat is 350 and D'Angelo's is at like a 425. So I got to go with the 425 all day, every day. Like I want my hit to be a certified classic, you know, right from jump. I want, I want to hear the, the first chord in lady. I want um, to be confused as hell when untitled come on and he naked talking about this song is about my grandma. Music ain't never been naked singing about his grandma. So well, I was about to say something I wasn't supposed to say. I'm not going to talk about nobody eyes, but what <laughs> happened is D'Angelo has that, you know, that classic factor of, you know, this is a R&B, this is soul. This is like, he's kind of synonymous with like soul and neo soul. Like D'Angelo is that dude. I get it. I mean, I, I respect it. I feel like, I feel like the thing about him is that I get that a lot of times those brilliant artists don't have as much production as we wish they did, but it's where I feel like he, I hate saying he didn't live up to his potential because he gave us some great music, but he was on a, a Prince type of track. I feel like those first two albums was just like, all right, Voodoo, if, if he dropping this on his second album, I can't wait to hear his third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And he let us down with that. And I feel like that's something that I understand he, he, he went through a lot of different issues, but it's something that I still do kind of take away from him in comparison to a music who stayed so true and consistent. And the thing is with music, I mean, we talk about remakes, yeah, cruising was fire, but also music had that remake of Settle for My Love. And I would say that's With better. Aries, yeah. I'm not gonna front, that's better to me. I mean, when it comes to the upbeat tracks, even the tracks he had that that you still hear at parties, he had the For the Night, he had the Anything with Swiss, those type tracks of the East Coast party, they still gonna go off a little bit. He even gave us a, a little Christmas album. He gave us some, he, he gave us a soulful, funky flip of Hark the Herald Angel Sing. I'm like, he went Catholic and made it funky. Like that don't even make sense. That it don't, don't even and it was, make sense. And it was fire. He had, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think um, I've just uh, got cut off again, you know, yeah. so I, I can't really go into depth about all the songs he has. You know, I want to talk about how he had the break you off with the roots and all those. This sounds but, like you're cheating. This sounds like right, you're cheating. All right. It's it's hard to, to stop talking about how many songs music has and how much. Why are you still talking, though? All right. All right. So at this point of time, this is when I give it to my producers. We have our producers, Melissa and the lady. They will be making the decision on who won this beat match. So I will let y'all deliberate if you want to, you know, put on some background music, <coughs> music, so and uh, you know, and think about who you who you pick as the winner. Go ahead, go ahead. All right. So um, first of all, I feel like I need to take a point away from EB for trying to hit that note that hit him back. Listen, uh, <laughs> I agree. I, yeah, I don't know what that was. Listen, that's how you sound to me. I need to see the talent show video. That's what I need. I did too. <laughs> if you want some extra credit points, you'll... I will find it. I will find it. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, music, instant classics. Like, he came out with instant classics. I can't... I remember, like, being at church 
and people in church like singing his songs just like like not during church they were just singing his songs because everybody just loved that first album like instantly dropped i remember like being in the children's choir Mm. and somebody just started singing the beat and everybody just joined in building 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 yeah it's fine um but uh as as good as music is he's just not d'angelo like he d'angelo just has like does something to my insides that uh what are we talking about this is a beat map look listen you know you feel the beat that's that's all i'm saying and so his voice and the songs and just the way that that he his voice kind of just floats above the music becoming like an instrument with the music and Mm -hmm. i just like i love d'angelo and i'm just and i I, I strongly like music and based on the points that you guys have given me, I just have to, I got to go with D'Angelo. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, All right. Miss Nalay. So, yeah. Yeah. This was a challenge. It was definitely a, just me thinking about like some classic songs like D'Angelo has and like hits that music has. Um, it was a challenge. I will say, you know, I think you both did really good as far as arguments go, because I was really on the edge trying to figure it out for a long time. On the Philly side, I'm like, I love the music at every single album. I've seen him at, at least seven times perform. It's hmm. not the same experience now as it used to be hearing him. <laughs> but, you know, it was definitely somebody that like I loved. And But D'Angelo, it's, it's definitely, it's a feeling. And those like classics that he has, they just hit very different. And I remember when I saw D'Angelo on tour in high school and him doing Untitled and everybody- You're too young, You're too young for that. And I really shouldn't have been there again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, this is a thing. We're gonna have to get our parents on the show one day. Listen, we are, we are. They, we had some conversations over Christmas about these concerts. <laughs> um, thank God they don't remember. So, you know, but that, it was a distinct memory. I've seen music way more, but D'Angelo, I know exactly what that was. I know what he had on. It was like, oh, one. <laughs> like, so for, and then I was thinking, all right, you remember wedding songs and like love? And I'm like, yeah, but then remember I, I used Lady for my wedding. So, cause that's my name, Lady. So I had to go with D'Angelo, but I also wanted to like shout out Carvin and Ivan, the writer music's albums at the beginning like Ivan Barrios is a friend of mine now and I'm just like these Grammy winning writers are holding music down Um, but but I do also feel like D'Angelo feels like an instrument like it's just it's different so I love them both I almost said I couldn't make a decision but I am going to go with D'Angelo that's because I sent her a gif You know some perverts. That's why. You have dirty minds. You tend to marry. That's you why they're looking over the edge. You said you said you're waiting, ain't you? You married, ain't you? The edge. It was the edge of that music video. And she was like, "Let's think about this." Oh man! Well, it looks like I won another beat match. This was a good one though, because it was very close. Like I, I'm not going to lie. Like even thinking about while you while you were making your argument, I'm sitting here thinking, well, damn, you're right. Music was having me. I remember half crazy, and I was la la lying, and I was just like, yeah. But you know, of course, D'Angelo wins because he is classic. And like they, the judges made the argument. They should have made the argument because they said this man, his voice just floats, and it feels like an instrument. And they are absolutely right. So I would like to thank D'Angelo and his vocal cords. I want to thank his grandma for making him naked and greased up. And that, just sound, that, that sounded real, real weird. But all right, all right, I want to right. thank, honestly, I do want to thank women all over America for turning him into a sex symbol and driving him crazy because the next album might not have been as good, but since they drove him crazy and he had time to go away and do some other stuff, 
he came back with an okay album. So I want to thank the women for um, preventing him from releasing some trash because it could have went the other way. Sexualizing him and all that. Yeah, yeah, that was, you know, I see it the opposite. I think they stopped him from being the next prince. They, he, well, he was on that path, and then I don't I know. Mean, I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't it us. Was. We were children, so it wasn't us. Oh, so okay. it, wasn't, it was. It was, it was the right. ladies who are now fifty plus. The, the aunties. Yeah, the aunties. They was. They was trying to uh, make some nephews. So I want to thank them because I really don't like. He would have had some competition had him and music been releasing at the same time, and we yeah. might have got a great music and d'angelo tour from it but yeah thank my mama and my grandma and my daddy and my granddaddy and uh my first grade teacher miss frost thank you so much um she's still you sang in class one time she she told you she muted you in class there was no mute button yet no no no. my mama cussed her out a couple times she ain't never messed with me again so i you know i knew i was gonna win this i did not know i was gonna win this but it is um it was close Anyway, it, all right, yeah, congrats and all that. Any, anyway, anyway, for everybody who's tuned in, if you want to hear some of the best for music, and D'Angelo, the couple songs he had. Okay, I'm trolling. All right, if you want to hear some of the music, the D'Angelo, the Sam Trump, Van Jets, Doyle, Gordon Chambers, and maybe a couple of upbeat R&B songs as well, we do have the Behind the Wheels playlist for y'all. So make sure you get that from the lighter notes of the episode. And for that, we're going to wrap up episode seven. This is called Behind the Wheels. Also, if you have any suggestions for anything you want us to discuss in a beat match or for our next The Drop, go ahead and send us an email to behindthewheelspod at gmail.com and we will make sure to address that for you. So thank you all for being tuned in. We have episode eight coming up next for you. And uh, once again, I'm DJ Artistic and this is my co-host EB. You got anything to say to the people aside from your you already said your your little your little um, oh, yeah. so beyond we, that what else? <laughs> we definitely see you guys listening we appreciate you interacting with us please keep hashtagging behind the wheels pod and adding artistic and myself because we are paying attention and we just like wow seven episodes like thank you guys for rocking with us definitely we appreciate you all for sure keep on hashtagging and hitting us up with that feedback and we will see you all next episode out yeah